Hello, everybody. Guten Arab Shabbos. Today is Hey Hachvan, or Parshas Mayach. And we are going to learn today um, in the schuf of a friend of ours who is a soldier in the IDF. Um, his family sponsored today's episode. It's his birthday on Shabbos. So we're going to give a special shout out to this Chayal, Ayal Natan Ben Liora, that him, along with all of the Chayalim, and of course, every kid who needs a full refuah and return to their home um, should have a full, should be with, with miracles, complete and total miracles. And um, I remember when Ayal was born, so it was very special to be able to do this in his clothes. And he specifically really loves learning Tyra. So um, we're excited to learn today with him in mind. And I just wanted to say, as I, was, I don't know what the Sikh is about yet, but as I was um, just thinking, we're going to learn today, thinking how we're in Parshas Nayaf, and the model of the world is so loud right now. And I'm excited to be able to buy Teva and go into the words of Tyra. And remember that in the end of the day, Nayaf was the one who came out standing tall, and the model went away. So, same thing will happen um, with, with the Nisim of Life and obviously with Mashiach. And um, so we'll give some tzedakah. And we're really excited to be able to learn together. So good day, Tzedakah, Shemagravitz, Atayi Ula. Mr. Spiro, thank you so much for making this happen today. And take it away. Thank you, Atiyah. That was a beautiful introduction and um, totally on target with what the message of the Sikha is going to be about. Um, I'm, I'm so... I think we all need to give ourselves a big pat on the back that we're taking the time to our entire right now because really what the message of the Sikha is going to be is that bottom line... Um, there can be so many other messages out there and even things that can come across as logical and convincing until things that are totally crazy can come across sounding real and true. And that's really what this um, sicha is about. How do we combat when stuff out there in the world that if we look at it through a logical eye is just completely nuts and yet people can follow it and think it's true and dive into it wholeheartedly. How does that happen and how do we make sure to combat that and stand in that place where we're so sure about the MS of things? Okay, so mm-hmm. we're going to begin with a question um, from the beginning, just to say where we're at, on page 13, we're following the schedule of Project Likote Sichais. Um, and we're going to begin with a very basic question in the beginning of this week's Parsha. We have the famous um, Rashi, on Eila told us, Nayach, Nayach ish tzadik. So it says that Nayach was a tzadik, but he was specifically a tzadik, bid in his generation. So one of the opinions that Rashi brings is that if he had lived in the Dairai Shalavram, he would not have been necessarily so outstanding. It's only because he lived in a generation where there was, you know, such terrible things going on that he stood out for his tzitkos. So we right away ask the question, actually, Avram Avinu and Nayach overlap in their lives. They didn't, um, Avram Avinu wasn't born after Nayak passed away. They overlap 58 years together in this world. So how can we say that Nayak didn't live in Avram Avinu's generation? Something here doesn't make sense here. What do we consider Avram Avinu's generation that Nayak is only counted that he didn't exist during Avram Avinu's generation? So what we're going to have to figure out is that something happened after Avramavina was 58 years old, in other words, after the passing of Nayach, that sort of like shifts it into a different kind of realm, and that's what we call the generation of Avramavina, and in that generation, Nayach did not live. And if he had lived, 
the standard of where Nayak was at would not have necessarily shown, would not, ne- would not necessarily have like, been so outstanding as it was in the times of Ramavino's generation. So let's stop for a minute and think, what was different about the way that Nayak came to belief in the Abishtar versus the way that Ramavino came to belief in the Abishtar? And the basic difference is, is that Nayak received belief in the Abishtar as a Messiah, it was something that was given to him by previous generations. Nayah had people living in his time, like Mesushelach, um, who went on to teach him these ideas, and because they taught him these ideas about belief in one Abishter, that's how Nayah knew these things. What was his titkus? His titkus was, his greatness was, that even though everybody else around him wasn't necessarily going along with that. He managed to stay strong, and he had that like, kind of ongoing support from the people who had taught him and who had guided him, who gave him that message that you know, sort of like kept him going through the difficult times. What's unique about Avramavinu is that Avramavinu is, quote-unquote, a self-made man. In other words, Avramavinu doesn't have anyone in his life teaching him about Hashem. No one ever told him about the concept of one God. And Avramavinu, purely through experiencing the world around him and using his mind, came to the logical realization that Avodah makes absolutely no sense and that Hashem is the one and true creator. So this concept of coming to realization about the oneness of Hashem, this is going to be like one of the markers of Ramavino's greatness. And we find that the Rambam, in his first parak, where he speaks, where he speaks about the Lachas of Avedazara, he brings this whole story about Ramavino recognizing the Abishtar. And if we take a look at the way that the Rambam brings it, the Rambam makes note that Ramavino recognized Hashem specifically at the age of 40 years old. Let's take a look at um, Ice Bays, where the Rebbe is going to bring this out in detail. When it comes to what age did Avram Avinu come to this logical realization about the creator of the world, there's a few different opinions. One opinion says that he was three years old, Ben Gimel, Ben Mem, that he was 40, Ben Mem Ches, that he was 48, that comes to us from one of the Midrashim, and Ben Nun, which comes to us from a different Midrash, that he was 50. When the Rambam brings it in Hilchas Avaydazara, he brings Zakdaz ben Arbaim Shana Hikar Avamazbayra. The Rambam goes according to the opinion that Avramavino was 40 years old when he recognized Hashem. Comes along the Ravid, who always makes notes on the Rambam wherever there could be a, you know, a difference. And the Ravid says, top of page 15, Yesha Gada, there is a Medrash that Ben Shalesh on him, that Avramavino was actually three years old when he first recognized Hashem. Shanamra, like it says, Ekev Asher Shama Avram Bekaili Minyan Ekev. So if you take a look, that Avramavino listened to my voice for Ekev. So the way that the Medrash types up the word Ekev is if you take a look at the gematria of the word Ekev, it's 172. Avram Avinu lived for 175 years. So for 172, out of those 175 years, he was aware and followed the, the um, way of Hashem. So when he was three years old, that's when he already started to follow the way of Hashem. Comes along the Kesef Mishnah, and he comments that the Ravid and the Rambam are not arguing with each other. Both of them can be true. How can both of them be true? So the Kesef Mishnah explains that there was a process. The first time in his life that Avram Avinu started to think about these ideas was when he was three years old. And then when did he come to his full, logical, clear recognition of the one Abishtar? That happened when he was 40 years old. So 
and the Kesef Mishnah like makes notes, and the Rambam says 40 and not 48. So we have to understand, if you take a look at the more commonly accessible midrashim, the more commonly accessible midrashim make notes that Avraham Avinu recognized the Eivishter at 48. What's the emphasis that the Rambam is bringing by specifically saying age 40? And if he could have, um, if both opinions could work together, age 3 and age 40, why doesn't the Rambam make note of what Avraham Avinu did at age 3? Why is there no mention in the Rambam about the idea that Avraham Avinu started to recognize the Abishar and started to think about these ideas from the beginning of age three? So what we're coming to so far is that there's something significant about the fact that Avraham Avinu is marked at age 40 when he comes to this logical conclusion about the creator of one world. What's the Rambam emphasizing by doing this? So, so far we've had two questions. We want to know, number one, what happened after Nayak passed away? that made it this unique generation of Avraham that Nayach is you know, not a part of. Number two, why is the Rambam emphasizing that Avraham Avinu's awareness of Hashem specifically is marked by age 40? Now we're going to add on a third question. And this third question is a more general question about the Rambam. The Rambam in his first parak about Avaidazara gives us a lengthy history about the development of Avaidazara and then about the development of the awareness that Avedazara is wrong, and the rejection of Avedazara. And so he goes through the whole process, starting all the way back from Enayish, of how people first started thinking that stars were significant because Hashem gave them significance, almost like a minister who works on behalf of a king. So they started um, acknowledging the stars and giving covet to the stars as an expression of the fact that they work for Hashem. That is already the beginning of Avedazara because nothing in this world has any significance whatsoever except for the Abishtar. Then from there, the Rambam goes on to describe the downward um, spiral of how Avedazara continued to go on. Then people started to think that the stars had their own significance. Then they started to make images to represent those stars. Then they started to worship the images as if the images themselves had their own significance until it became so crazy that people went over to a piece of a rock and thought that that piece of stone was going to be their God and was going to you know, end up giving them whatever it is that they needed in life. And you had these Nevi'e Sheker who were literally going around convincing people, you know, buy this idol and this idol is going to be that which is going to give you, you know, this tremendous bracha, kayach, whatever it is. And they totally forgot about Hashem, and the Rambam describes that eventually there was no mention of the Abishtar whatsoever in the world. So then came along Avraham Avinu, and the Rambam goes on to describe how Avraham Avinu came to this realization of there being a one Abishtar. And slowly but surely, what did Avraham Avinu do? He went on to such an extent that he implanted in people that they should not, that not only they should accept it as like an argument that he's telling them or he's, you know, breaking the, uh, the Avedazara, but that they themselves should come to realization that they understand that only a creator of the world makes sense and that all of these other ideas are completely logically unacceptable. And then the Rambam continues and says, and this was something that Avraham Avinu passed on to his descendants, to Yitzchak, to Yaakov, to Yaakov's children. And then going even further, eventually Yaakov's children came to Mitzrayim. And after living in Mitzrayim for a while, steeped in this land of Avedazara, they lost touch with the original ideas that Avraham Avinu had taught them, those clearly logical um, messages that Avraham Avinu had implanted 
into all the people around him and passed on to his children. And they lost touch with that, and they were influenced by being in Mitzrayim until people in Yidin in Mitzrayim started to serve by the Zara. And then finally, what was the solution? The Abishter sent us Maishar Abenu. Came along Maishar Abenu, and he gave us a Tyra. And in the Tyra, Maishar Abenu clearly tells us um, how not to serve a Vaidazara, how to reject a Vaidazara. And today, we reject a Vaidazara as one of the mitzvahs that was given to us by Maishar Abenu. So, what I just shared with you was an overview of the Rambam's first parak of a Vaidazara. Comes along a question of the Rebbe, and this is a common question that the Rebbe will ask whenever the Rambam brings like storylines in his Sefer. The Rambam is meant to be a Sefer of Halacha. It's meant to give us a guideline of how we need to be fulfilling the mitzvah of not serving a Vaidazara. What is the history telling us? Why is it significant? What's the Halachic purpose? for us to know the history of how Avedazara developed and how Avedazara was rejected until it was given to us as a mitzvah in the Torah. What are we learning halachically from all of this? And so to appreciate that, we need to understand a little bit better how the whole mitzvah of not serving Avedazara works. There are some things in life that you just do with your actions. You do this, you do that, you're meant to do this, you're meant to do that. And other things in life have to be based on a core recognition. In other words, it has to start in your mind. It's not just expressed in your actions. It has to happen first and foremost in your mind. And this is one of the you know, big things that Chassidus comes along to emphasize. The Rebbe doesn't mention here, but I think it's like something that we're very familiar with. Let's say, for example, when it comes to Benadam Lechavere. So if you take a look at the more superficial way of looking at the mitzvahs, you see them as actions. You know, people might start like a Lashon Hara campaign. This is my hour. I'm going to close my mouth for an hour. I'm going to be careful not to say these nasty words about someone. What does Chassidus come along and say? We need to first work with our minds. Our minds need to be thinking positive things about our fellow Jews, need to be loving our fellow Yidin, and need to be rejecting any negative thoughts about another Jew that comes into my mind. So why do I not serve Avedazara? Not just because I put tape, I'm sorry, why do I not speak Lashon Hara? Not just because I put tape over my mouth, and this is my hour, and I'm clocking myself there right now, I'm not speaking Lashon Hara, but because from the inside out, from my mind, I don't think words of Lashon Hara. I don't think that way about my fellow Jew. My mind isn't judging them. My mind isn't coming up with all sorts of angry and negative thoughts about them. Through the teachings of Chassidus, we understand that it's an inside-out process, right? That it starts with our minds and our hearts, and then from there, it goes to our actions. And that is certainly true when it comes to the mitzvah of Avedazara. Avedazara is not meant to just be an instruction, don't bow here, do bow here, you know, don't say this, do say that, don't buy this, don't look at that book. It has to come from the inside. It has to first start with the machshava. And the machshava has to be that we know clearly in our minds that nothing else in this world has significance other than the Abishter. That's the mitzvah of rejecting a Vaidazara. It starts in our brains. Now, the outcome of that, the result of that is that it shows up in our actions, that we don't bow there and we don't look there and we don't talk about that, all the different nuanced halachas that come up through the rest of the Rambam's you know, further prakim of Hilchas Avedazara. So really what the Rambam was doing here in the first parak of Avedazara is he's showing us what does it mean, how you get your mind straight, how do you put your brain in the correct place when it comes to fulfilling the mitzvah of rejecting Avedazara. 
And what is the Rambam coming to tell you? Let's see how the mind can spin incorrectly when it comes to understanding the way that Hashem created the world. And a person could start to give, like Enesh, can start to give significance to, you know, quote-unquote, the ministers of Hashem, like the stars in the sky, and how from there you could actually end up coming to places that are utterly and totally ridiculous until the person is bowing down to something that he made with his own hands. And the example of Aramavinu is here to show us how your mind has to come to a place of understanding Hashem and recognizing Hashem. And therefore, what age does the Rambam emphasize? Specifically, the age that's associated with the mind thinking. So yes, it's true that Avramavino began to recognize Hashem at the age of three. But the Rambam is concerned that if that becomes the emphasis, then people will think that the mitzvah of rejecting of Zara is almost like you know, a revelation from above, a miraculous thing that just came into Avramavino's mind, as opposed to a logical commitment that we have to take our minds and we have to think until we realize that it makes no sense to be serving anything but Hashem. And therefore, the age that the Rambam emphasizes is specifically the age that has to do with full understanding, Ben Arbaim Labina, because the Rambam wants to bring out to us this halacha that we have to know that rejecting of Adazara begins in your logical mind, begins in what your mind thinks and what your mind is able to fully and completely understand. So the first point that the Rambam is making for us is it's not enough to do the actions of rejecting of Zara. It's not enough to just say, yeah, yeah, if Hashem said so, fine, no problem. Part of the mitzvah of rejecting of Zara is that your mind needs to understand how Hashem is the only one and true creator and how anything else and having allegiance to anything else makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. That itself is part of the mitzvah. And that's the... That's the um, the emphasis of bringing the story of how Avadizara developed, bringing the story of how Avramavino came to the logical conclusion at the age of 40 specifically that the Abishter is the one and only true God. So now this helps us appreciate what happened in Avramavino's life after the age of 58, after Nayak passed away, that we then designate this time in Avramavino's life as Avram, the generation of Avramavino, and that level is something beyond what Nayak would have like, been outstanding, would have shown in. What happened in Avram? what happened after the age of 58? So when Avramavino moved to Canaan, um, I believe at the age of 75, I think. And he starts to interact with the people in the land in Canaan. He does so to such an extent that the Rambam describes Shasal Belivam, that he implants it in their hearts. In other words, when he lived in the earlier years, fighting with Nimrod, fighting with his father, convincing all the people in Haran, the relationship that he had with those people was that he, it was like a debate. Like he would come forward with his arguments and he was so good at debating and he had such good logical answers that he was the winner, right? Now, does it mean that they came to their own logical conclusion that Avaidazara was wrong? No. Um, for any of you who have watched the young Avram video, you know that great moment where Nimrod in the moment says, <clears throat> okay, fine, this war we lost, and he goes on and acknowledges Hashem as the creator of the world. But really inside, it's not necessarily his own logic that he fully came to. So although Avramavino had the best arguments out there and he won all the debates, it wasn't implanted in the hearts of the people. It was more that they listened to Avraham and so some of them 
were thoroughly convinced, like the people who went on to become, like the Nefashes Hashar Asu and the people who went on to be his followers from Haran, and some of them, you know, were defeated in the debate, like Nimrod. But bottom line, none of them came to their own logical, you know, grounded conclusion that there's only one creator. What happened? What happened after Avram Avinu moved to Canaan? Then he begins the Avraham generation. And what's the Avraham generation? Where hundreds and thousands of people around him come to their own logical conclusion through the influence of Avram Avinu that they recognize in their minds that this is the one and only true creator and that everything else has to be rejected. So once again, the emphasis here, especially with the Rambam is bringing it out, is how important it is that these actions that we do of you know, rejecting of Avaitazara and not serving of Avaitazara must be based on the understanding of our minds, where our minds are focused and understand the fact that Hashem is the one and only true creator. Okay, that's beautiful, that's great, but we're still not done. Because if you continue in the first parak of the Rambam, he doesn't end the story with Avram. He continues the story. And where does the story continue to? It goes on to what happened to his descendants. These children, these grandchildren, great-grandchildren of Avram Avinu, great-great-grandchildren of Avram Avinu, who were taught by their fathers and their forefathers to believe in this one God and to recognize logically in this one Abishter, what happened? Eventually they came down to Mitzrayim. And after living a while in Mitzrayim, what happened to that whole logic? What happened to that whole deeply implanted thought process that we believe in the one Abishar and we know that everything else is shtusim and everything else makes no sense whatsoever? And guess what? The answer is, if you hang out in shmutz long enough, you're going to get pretty shmutzik. So by hanging out in Mitzrayim, they took on the ideas of Mitzrayim. And I think this is something we can so clearly relate to in our world today where you see people literally believing the craziest of ideas and you're like, how do people come to believe these things? And the answer is they just hang out on the university campuses. You know, you hang out with enough people saying crazy things for enough times and you actually come to think that it makes sense and come to think that this is like, you know, great logic and a really solid path to follow. And that's the example of what we learn from the Yidin who came down to Mitzrayim, that although they were Avram's descendants and Avram Avinu had implanted this logical, clear understanding that makes no sense to believe anything else but that there's one Abishar, after spending enough time in Mitzrayim, what happened? They got sucked into it anyway. And finally, what was the solution? So the Rambam continues in his overview of the history, and he says the Abishar gave us a Maishar Rabbeinu. And what did Maishar Rabbeinu do? Maishar Rabbeinu gave us a Taira, and in that Taira he gave us a Tzivoy, he gave us a command. And that command empowered us that no matter what, we have something higher even than our logic, we have a commitment. And in that commitment, we say that even if my brain is going to convince me of all kinds of shtusim, I have a commitment based on the words of Taira and one Ebeshter. So really what we're coming out from, from this you know, overview parak of the Rambam is two crucial messages, is two very important things of how we fulfill the mitzvah of rejecting of Aydazara. Go to page 22, Aysiyod. Api kohanal kum dois, as aim as in parak Aleph and Hilchas of Aydazara, bring the Rambam aris By giving us this introductory parak, this, you know, opening parak of the halachas of Aydazara, the Rambam is teaching us two very important halachas, two very important messages. Number one, 
as der Chet von Avodah Zarah is an Inyan, was is Mufrach Eich Mitzat Seichel HaAdam. The sin of Avodah Zarah happens in your head. It's not just if you bowed or didn't bow, right? It's not just did you do the act or not do the act. The sin of Avodah Zarah has to happen in your mind. When it's dark by in Besichlai, in this Amaz Fenikbaveren, the Abgefleckheit, um, it has to become something that in your mind is so clearly established that it is completely um, not something you would have ever even turn to or think about when it comes to any of the Isurim of Avaidazara. That is message number one. That's why the Rambam brought us the whole logical process of how Avaidazara ended up being accepted and how Avramavinu using specifically the mind and implanting those thoughts in other people's minds was able to truly fulfill the mitzvah of rejecting Avaidazara, you know, by basing it first in what's happening in the mind. Then comes Bayes, but that method is not enough. And so the Rambam also goes on to teach us another very important message. And on the other hand, as their kiyum from their mitzvah b'payo, darf nitzayin gebuit nar avzayin hakara v'yadiyah. When it comes to fulfilling this mitzvah, we can't just base ourselves. We can't just build up the mitzvah only based on our logic. Nar ezolestan der farvas hediyam derach avadasei. But rather we do this because Hashem through the Taira, through Maish Rabbeinu, gave us a path that we walk on in Avedus Hashem. Because we were given this Taira through Maisha, and that is why we do what we do. The bottom line um, foundation of where all of the mitzvahs are, are based upon has to go back to this was a mitzvah that was given to us by the Ebeshter. This is based on my belief in Hashem. So we have two sides going on over here. Number one, we have to know how important it is that the things that we're doing when it comes to the service of the Ebeshter shouldn't just be lip service, shouldn't just be our hands functioning. Our minds have to be on board. And I think one of the most powerful ways where you see this is when it comes to Ben Adam Nechavei, right? It's not enough to just be doing things with your actions. It has to happen in your brain. All of our belief system can't just be what we, you know, that we walk the walk. It has to be that we think the think. It has to go on in our minds. That's number one. Number two, don't only count on your mind to carry you through, because at the end of the day, if we hang out you know, in Mitzrayim, and all of us are living in Mitzrayim, we hang out in Mitzrayim long enough with all kinds of people saying all kinds of crazy things, we could end up impacted. And the one thing that gets us through is that solid belief, is that solid emuna in the Abishtar. And so this is going to be the Rebbe's um, sum up message. I'll just, I thought we would do another piece inside, but I'm just going to sum it up because I see I'm already at um, 10.30 here. Just to sum up really quickly, when it comes to belief in the Abishdar, when it comes to rejection of Avedah Zara, and of course these two mitzvahs are the core from which all other mitzvahs come through, come, you know, come from, we have to have the combination of both of these pieces together. On the one hand, we want to make sure that our minds are on board with whatever mitzvahs we're doing to make sure that our Yiddish guide is deep, our Yiddish guide is grounded on deep understanding in our minds, that we get the things that we're doing, that we think that way, that we don't just act that way, but we actually think that way. That's going to be level one. Level two, not to limit ourselves only 
to the logic of our minds because the logic of the mind is limited. Seichel itself is a creation, and therefore it's not going to be able to tap into the deepest realizations of what Hashem truly is. And that deepest realization can only come from Emuna, can only come from that commitment to the Torah that the Abishter gave us. So, of course, based on the situation of where we're at right now, I just have to, I can't resist to throw in how many times the Rebbe spoke so passionately that when it comes to um, speaking of our right that we have to be Yiddin living in Eretz Yisrael, the Rebbe was not happy when people only base themselves on, you know, some, like the Rebbe would call the, the Balfour Declaration, some piece of paper, right, that some non-Jew guaranteed the Yiddin at one point in time. That's our right to the land. That's not our right to the land. Open up the Taira. Base yourself on something bigger. Base yourself on something greater. Base yourself on our Amuna that we have an Abishter, and the Abishter gave us this land. And when everyone else under the sun comes with their logic, until that logic literally sounds like utter craziness, which is becoming more and more clear as the days go by, we have to know that our job is to open up the Taira again and to be connected to the messages of the Abishar that come to us specifically in Tyra. So I want to um, say a big shout-out to everyone who's listening to this year and is taking the time to learn Tyra. This is what it's all about. We want to get in touch with the words of Hashem, and that is where our logic comes from. That is where our minds think from. That is where our Muna is based upon, and that's where the reality that we see in the world is defined by. Wishing everyone a beautiful Shabbos, and we should get to see in an open and clear way how Hashem um, gives Kayach to his nation, gives the, his holy land to his holy people in a way of shalom, in a way of peace, and most importantly, that we should finally have an end to any of this gullus. Amen. Thank you very, very much. Thank you, Epi. All right. Have a good job.